0: brought to you by Journey Dog Training and the Pandemic Puppy Raising Support Group on Facebook. I'm your host, Kayla Fratt, and I'm so excited to be here with you. We are going to cover puppy raising right from the start on this podcast, and although I'm a professional dog trainer, this is my first time raising a puppy too, so I'm right in the trenches with you on the good, the bad, the cute, and the stinky. Today we're talking to Curtis Kelly of Pet Parent Allies about self-regulation skills for puppies. So if you struggle with tired puppy tantrums or feel like your puppy is out of control and impulsive, this episode is for you. Curtis began his career as a dog trainer in 2013 after graduating with a Bachelor of Arts in Illustration and Design. He worked in pet stores, vet clinics, and boutique training facilities before starting Pet Parent Allies in 2018. After moving around the mid-Atlantic region, Curtis landed in Philadelphia, where he offers private training and sessions, as well as virtual training sessions. Curtis is a certified professional dog trainer, knowledge assessed. And when he's not working with dogs around Philadelphia, Curtis enjoys hiking, gardening, and reading with his wife. Curtis has two dogs, Vista the Doberman, and super uh, Supermut. So, uh, Curtis, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're excited to have you. Curtis and I um, did an episode a while back on the Canine Conversations podcast, um, having a a big discussion about race and racism with dogs that if you're interested in, you can definitely go ahead and check out. We'll link that in the show notes. Um, And before we get started, I'm just going to remind everyone that the podcast is supported by members on Patreon. So for as little as three bucks a month, you help cover our editing fees and hosting fees and those sorts of things, and you also get perks like submitting questions for us to tackle at the end of each episode. You can sign up over at patreon.com slash pandemicpuppy. So Curtis, let's kind of start out talking about what self-regulation might look like or what a lack of self-regulation might look like, and then let's we can talk a little bit about why that's hard and important for puppies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, self regulation or the lack thereof. Uh, I guess starting with what, uh, like, really strong and developed self regulation would look like, would be a dog that can handle, uh, like, small upsets uh, throughout a day or throughout a course of interacting. Um, so maybe. A dog who would like to be rewarded for something they've did, uh, and you're asking for a little more from them. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps you asked for a down, and they give you a sit, and want to be paid for it accordingly. Okay. Um, and then, on not being given that treat immediately, might uh, just immediately sink into the down of realizing, like, oh. I was actually supposed to do this other thing instead. Um, you might have a bit of mild sneezing. You might have some light, like foot taps, and then it's uh, it's essentially over. Um, so whatever that whatever that frustration they were feeling about uh, not being uh, not being rewarded as they for what they thought they were doing. Um, In a lack of self-regulation you might have more severe responses like uh the dog or the puppy then uh, like barks very insistently or Mm -hmm. they might wander away altogether Um, or they might come and nip on your feet or nip on your hands um or they might go and begin chewing on something that they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Uh, just all responses in which um, that what that puppy is feeling kind of uh, it doesn't. There's no outlet for it, um, mm-hmm. or or that puppy hasn't learned what what to do with that with that state, um, mm-hmm. or, or how to navigate through it, um, and so. It's often uh, puppies who, by virtue of being only so many months old in a very confusing and complex world, um, just haven't learned that skill yet. Um, You also do see it in many dogs who are coming out of... Uh, unstable situations, so either were rescued or spent a lot of time in a in an environment they didn't feel they had agency over, um, mm-hmm. and so a lot of those regulating skills can begin to uh, can begin to uh, disappear or uh, begin to decrease as they're as they're in that situation for an extended period of time
0: yeah that definitely makes sense so uh
1: you might also see it in puppies especially for uh things like touch where touch (laughs) is really wonderful and stimulating but there are also many puppies who haven't exactly learned how to handle being touched or what touch they like even. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's common to find puppies who you might be petting them, and you brush by their ear or you brush their foot, and then all of a sudden, they turn around and start nipping you. Um, Or just like, whoa, that's exciting. Like What is this thing? Mm -hmm. And because the tools that they have is essentially their mouth, um, you start getting those little puppy nips. Not out of, uh, just out of excitement or, Mm -hmm. or just like yet more, yet more kind of stimulation that they haven't exactly learned how to handle or what their response about it should be yet. Um, versus having a puppy who is starting to learn to self-regulate might move to where they want to be touched um, rather than turning with their mouth, or uh, if they don't want to be touched at all, um, might simply just get up and move out of arm's reach rather Mm -hmm. than turning and pawing at you or nipping at you or many of the responses that are deemed uh, naughty. Um, Yeah.
0: Well, and I love love how much detail you're going into here on some of these more... They're not even necessarily subtle signs of lack of self-regulation. You know, being bitten um, by your puppy is very normal but isn't exactly subtle. But I think a lot of times people think of self-regulation as, oh, my puppy is able to greet someone without jumping on them. And that's a component of it. But, um, but it's it's a rather big one, and it's also, if your puppy, I would argue that if your puppy can't handle, you know, you delaying reinforcement by a couple seconds, um, you know, and that's frustrating or upsetting to your puppy, then there's very little chance that they're going to be able to appropriately greet a very exciting stranger. It's just, it's so much so much harder and thinking about how we can build in some of these self regulation skills in a small bite sized way for your puppy. Um, yeah. I, and yeah. Uh, meeting,
1: meeting friendly strangers is in a, is a really exciting, uh, excellent thing, even for a lot of adult dogs, um, mm-hmm. who, who struggle with doing that with uh, total composure and uh, self regulation so I think that's that's an instance where if your puppy hasn't learned some of the some of the foundational levels of uh, being able to regulate themselves even under situations like delayed reinforcement or just knowing how to handle being touched uh, like knowing how to exist without cannonballing or like needing constant stimulation then trying to set them up to uh, maintain themselves and do a perfect sit or uh, be totally well behaved for a super exciting friendly stranger who wants that puppy energy and that puppy attention is going to be setting everybody up so that it's while not impossible uh, for that puppy to be successful. It's certainly more difficult than I think is fair, um, and it's a it's a skill that it, it, there's always opportunity to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also uh, training emotional states, much like training cues. There's a kind of like the starting language, and then there's all of the advanced things that can be built from it. Um, Mm -hmm. but having, I think that's a, I think that's an excellent point that, uh, like it's often seen as seeing, uh, seeing a like exciting, friendly stranger, um, which is definitely a component of self-regulation, but I think some of the, some of the more easy and simple things that you do with your puppy on a day-to-day basis will come easier and beforehand to being successful at, uh, really being able to, uh, hold, hold control of themselves, uh, for this super exciting person.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I know, like, I mean, my, myself personally with my puppy, who's, um, about 14 and a half weeks old, as we're recording right now, there are some things that I'm as far as self-regulation goes that I, I know I'm going to want to work on eventually, but like right now his greeting behavior with strange, with friendly strangers, I'm just not even worrying about because I, we haven't done enough groundwork yet to expect him to be able to, um, to greet people with four paws on the ground yet. It's just, it hasn't been a priority for us. And, you know, I know there are other puppies in his kindergarten um, who are better at it than he is, but you know, we've just had our priorities elsewhere. And I think, one of the things that I, I like reminding puppy owners in particular is like, that's okay. We can work on this later. I think, you know, building self-regulation skills from young puppies, from puppyhood is is important and good, um, but it's also one of those skills that's incredibly hard for a lot of puppies, um, particularly the younger they are. And then it kind of, I think it also that kind of impulsivity, which is part of self-regulation tends to heighten again in adolescence. So sometimes you'll see a puppy who at, you know, four or five months is looking really good. And then all of a sudden at seven or eight or nine or 12 months is looking way worse again. which I'm, I'm sure is very frustrating for a lot of people. And even myself, like, I know that is coming. And I still sometimes look at my puppy and I'm just like, wow, he's so good. And I, I just have to remind myself that, like, yeah, he's going to be a teenager. And and this will probably not feel so great again at some point. But it'll get get better again after that. Yeah
1: and i i mean vista went through that same thing she was golden 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 and then like woke up one day right around six months and just that flips sw- that flip switched and she was a teenager all of a sudden mm-hmm. and like all of the like work on regulating on like cues on foundations that we did seemed to just go out the window but yeah. it's 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 just a part of adolescence.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there are a lot of parallels between uh, dog and human uh, development that I think are actually really useful for people. It's just with our dogs that happens on so much faster of a time scale that I think a lot of times people are. I think people sometimes forget about teenagerhood with their puppies um, or with their dogs. They, you know, they kind of go from puppies to adults in people's mind and they forget about that really impulsive independent uh, phase that is teenagerhood.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it, just the, the speed at which all of it happens, in which puppies transition through fear periods, through teething, like through socialization into adolescence, uh, it can all be very jarring where mm-hmm. it, it all seems to happen uh, very, very quickly. Um, and, but it just. Keeping keeping some of the some of the self regulation exercises uh, in mind can help uh, lessen the frustration about adolescence or like running into kind of all of those abrupt uh, chemical shifts that the puppies are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, maintaining maintaining some of these exercises throughout can really help uh, feel like it's balancing out the interactions um, better, so you're uh, having less frustrated days or days where, uh, I, for me, with Vista, it was, uh, it was difficult sometimes to remember, like, she's a teenager, Mm-hmm. this is a thing that happens. And even as a trainer, I had days where I was like, ah, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> like what happened? Yeah, um, But it's all just, it's all just a part of the, the process.
0: Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that, you know, we can all remember is that even though, you know, you might lay all this groundwork with your puppy and then it might look like it's disappeared at certain phases of teenagerhood, it's still worth doing with your puppy because think of how much worse they could be (laughs) if you hadn't done that. Um, and, uh, and potentially, you know, it'll come back to them even if they forget at times, you know, it's, it's worth doing. So, you know, I, I know a lot of the self-regulation stuff that i've done with niffler but you know the reason we bring guests onto the podcast is to talk about their ideas and their insights so what are some of the things that either you've done with vista or that you recommend for your clients or both that you find really helpful for kind of teaching this skill for puppies
1: um so one of the things that i recommend is teaching aq for give kisses um, and taking treats gently um, because uh, the mouth and uh, bite inhibition is something that uh, puppies are already have have a lot of trouble with. Um, I just every puppy I have ever met, really, um, mm-hmm. has had some moments of being bitey and nippy, and just, um, I mean, a part of it is their face is hurting them. Uh, like up, up to a certain age, so like there's kind of that always to contend with, and I've noticed that it's also one of the first things that tends to go as uh, as puppies start to get excited or upregulated, aroused, whether it's uh, playing with a toy or doing some really, really exciting training, or seeing their best puppy friend, or seeing that exciting stranger. Uh, the, the mouth and the bite um, inhibition is something that really tends to disappear pretty quickly um, on any states of arousal. So teaching a give kisses cue, um, or to, uh, I use a cue for gentle, for mm-hmm. take, take the treat with your tongue and <laughs> not with your teeth at all. And even teaching a basic uh, just gentle cue um, to help them practice uh, awareness of what they're doing with their mouth can really help. Mm-hmm. And especially as they're getting excited um, and still uh, and still being able to uh, keep, keep some retention of knowledge of what they're doing uh, can be immensely helpful, um, especially for many of the breeds that uh, tend to, uh, tend to nip or mouth as part of their genetic heritage. Mm -hmm. Um, Working dogs, herding dogs, um, dogs who are, who have, who have a sense for really communicating uh, in that way. Um, so teaching teaching a give kisses or mm-hmm. a, a gentle cue I've found to be really helpful.
0: Yeah, can I ask how you actually go about teaching that? Uh, I, I've got a couple ideas of how I would do it, but you know, what are a couple basic exercises for getting that going?
1: Yeah, absolutely. For the gentle cue, it's mostly <laughs> about where and how you are holding the treat in your hand. So if you do this, you, puppy, get, mm-hmm. you get your fingers chomped on, if you do this, you get your thumb chomped on. So I hold a treat here, right in the palm of my hand, mm-hmm. and then very gently uh, move, the thumb, move my thumb right over the corner, and then you get this little pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way, when the puppy comes up to get their treat, uh, if they're going with their teeth, they're probably going to miss. Um, mm-hmm. because there's not really there's not really anything for them to get. Um, so let them try with their teeth for a bit. Uh, most puppies I've found upon missing with their teeth will then switch to using their tongue. As soon mm-hmm. as they do that, mark it with your yes, your clicker, whatever uh, marker mm-hmm. you are using, and then just move your thumb and release the treat to them. Um, and that way they start to realize as soon as they are licking for it, they'll get it yeah Um, and that way uh it's a pretty easy way to teach puppies um how to take their treats gently Um, i love that
0: yeah and that that's very similar to how i thought i would have taught it and um just for our listeners because we don't unfortunately have a video recording of this um what curtis was kind of doing is if you've got your hands so think you've got all four of your fingers and your thumb kind of out almost like a like a bird beak sort of thing or like you were running a Uh, a puppet. Um, And that's how a lot of people deliver the treats is they kind of hold the treat as if you had a sock puppet holding the treat. That's a really great way to get the puppy to learn to munch your whole hand. Um, And what Curtis was suggesting instead is kind of putting the the treat in the palm of your hand almost as if you um, you were like a magician trying to hide a coin that you're going to pull out from behind someone else's ear. Um, Kind of a similar place to put it. One of the other things that I'll do that I've found helpful is I'll kind of make... a uh, a circle with my hand um i don't know if there's a better way to describe that um and kind of put the treat down towards like where my ring finger is if all four of my fingers are closed with my thumb over it um i guess kind of like a fist but then you just make a hole for the treat, and the puppy can kind of lick the um the kibble out of your hand as if your hand was a kong Um, and i find that really helpful for teaching the puppy to take uh take treats gently
1: yeah. I, uh, I really like the uh, Kong hand analogy. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, a, that's another one that I've found uh, people have a lot of success with as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do we have any other kind of favorite like self-regulation exercises or uh, other games that people can try with their puppies to help?
1: Yeah, certainly. Uh, so this will be a game for uh, puppies that have started to learn a bit of their foundations. Um, So some of their recall, uh, a little bit of their stay, or even just down, just being able to Mm -hmm. get to the floor. Um, And people can begin to play this game with their puppy. So, and they'll probably have many opportunities to play it uh, naturally just in the course of the day as their puppy gets excited about various things. Uh, So, This is a game where you deliberately get your puppy excited and then Mm -hmm. have them come back down. Mm -hmm. So uh, it'll work with toys, uh, ball, rope, kind of anything that your puppy will get really excited about. But not so much so to where they stop communicating with you altogether. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, this wouldn't be something that I would immediately introduce, like, okay, calm yourself down for a friendly stranger. Uh, mm-hmm. like in that example that you gave, because that's a really, really difficult jump. Um, and you want to be able to set a little bit more, uh, specifically how excited the puppy gets, uh, cause there's a range, um, from like sleeping to the the full Mm -hmm. puppy witching hour Uh, (laughs) yeah you're so you're looking to get them excited to about the middle range and you can uh wave a toy throw their ball uh anything uh any actions that you need to get them excited so they start to run around and jump and uh popcorn feet and just they're playing a game Um, And then as they're starting to get excited, switch to really, really high value treats Mm -hmm. and have them, uh, you can put the treat on their nose if you need to, but have them from being up and animated and excited and jumping and playing their game, um, kind of fairly abruptly switch to a nice good down. And uh, you can pay as much as you need to to keep them in that spot where they're mm-hmm. laying uh, where they're laying uh, nice and calmly as they can be, uh, and continually and have them. Uh, lay there five or six minutes for every one minute that they're that you got them excited, uh, because the going up for puppies is really easy. The coming mm-hmm. down is really hard. So yeah. uh, we it's essentially a a game where you get them excited, have them come down, get them excited, have them come down, mm-hmm. um, and the abruptness is both going to make it pretty difficult. So you do want uh, pretty high-value treats for them. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also going to help them uh, learn different, different states of excitement where they can start to be a little excited about something without going full mm. puppy cannonball, land shark, um, and will also help them learn how to bring themselves back down. Yeah. Uh, so uh, basically it's just run around, down stay, run around, down stay. Yeah. Um, and that's something that can really help with puppies learning how to Uh, especially when the game is over coming down and not being still amped and still in that kind of witching hour or like tantrum state when they've Mm -hmm. gotten excited about something um, and not being able to come down themselves.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. I know I've played um, some versions of this and I think I, this, this, uh, This episode in the show notes is going to have a lot of video. I'll upload a bunch from myself and Niffler just because so much of this is kind of nitty-gritty training stuff that I think will benefit from it. But um, with Niffler, I think, you know, some of the first times that I was playing uh, toy games with him, just building in these, like, micro um, self-regulation moments where, you know, we're playing, we're tugging, he's chasing the toy, and then I freeze. And if he jumps for the toy, the toy... You know goes goes somewhere inaccessible it might go higher or might go behind my back Um, and if he pauses and at the point where i first started playing is he didn't know how to sit or lie down on cue necessarily but as long as he froze that's Mm -hmm. when the toy would reanimate again and kind of teaching him that even just like a momentary not jumping for the toy is what makes the toy actually happen again um and then from there i've been able to build up to actually having him sit or having him down or having him do a hand target and i try to keep it varied um and building in a little bit of that difficulty into the play one of the other ones that i've heard um i think Gosh, I think it was on one of the Lemonade Conference videos. Um, I believe it was on the puppies uh, thing from 2020 with Julie Daniels. Um, If anyone has their Lemonade Conference library available. Um, And um, one of the things that she recommended doing that I've been doing with Niffler that I found really helpful is teaching the puppy to kind of go limp in your arms um rather than struggling and practicing kind of picking your puppy up as soon as your puppy goes limp um and is kind of comfortable you put the puppy down and that's a really especially for a puppy where they're small enough that as an adult you might be carrying them around you know i've got border collies vistas a doberman so we're not carrying our dogs around (laughs) all that much um but i found it really really helpful with niffler of just kind of teaching them that like hey all the squirmy the squirmy stuff doesn't get you down but being limp does um and he's even been able to kind of play at that and you know while being limp and being relaxed are not necessarily the same thing it's a step in the right direction and it's okay um to reward your dog for faking it until they make it um because you know I, and I know border collies are rather notorious for this, but they'll be kind of like lying down with their chin on the ground, like staring at you with these big eyes where they're like, I'm relaxing, I'm relaxing. And it's like, okay, not great, but it's better than spinning, barking, biting at you. You know, it's a step in the right direction. Um, and I think one of the things that Curtis and I are hinting at here, and you can um, you can jump in if you think that I'm uh, over extrapolating, but one of the, big things for self-regulation is doing it in a variety of contexts and in a variety of ways so it's the broad concept of self-regulation we want to teach not so much just sit or don't jump it's you know can you go limp in my arms can you freeze for a moment while we're playing toys can you lie down and relax after eating after playing a game can you sit instead of jumping on people and those are all under the umbrella of self-regulation but you have to be diverse in how you approach it so that your puppy can actually learn the entire concept is that yeah. something that you agree with
1: yeah i think that's exactly right and i i love that idea um from the lemonade conference of teaching like here you get to you get to go on the ground again by relaxing or going limp mm-hmm. and i it's funny that you mentioned the uh, like laying calmly but staring at you with the Mm -hmm. intense eyes of like i'm relaxing i'm relaxing look at me so relaxed i vista does that all the time Mm -hmm. um one of the it was one of the challenges for teaching her to really settle well because as soon as we go to reward the reward would then make it super duper exciting and she'd wake herself Mm -hmm. back up even if she didn't move you could look on her face and see like oh she was about to get it she was like going to sleep and then uh we like we gave her that one extra award which became like so exciting and she mm-hmm. uh, like, woke back up again
0: yeah uh-huh. do you recommend with some of these like longer subtle behaviors and, and and this is not necessarily something that like you're going to get to with your four-month-old puppy although well you might um, actually reducing the reinforcement because the reinforcement or that you know the treats the rewards can actually snap them out of that relaxation state
1: i think it depends upon the dog For, I would err towards uh, stepping back from the reinforcer for more of the higher drive, higher intensity type Mm -hmm. of dogs who are really, really looking for interaction or for instructions or just uh, like want a job. And Mm -hmm. when the job is, okay, relax and settle here, uh, are not uh inherently the biggest fans of it so i'd say it depends upon the dog um i have noticed that for many of those high drive working dogs that any treat or any marker then becomes so exciting Um, Mm -hmm. however for uh more i'd say you can keep reinforcing uh as much as you need to for dogs who are uh, naturally, um, and it it varies because the the, the rate of reinforcement for settling uh, is pretty fluid um, mm-hmm. and depends upon their age, how much experience they have in other areas of regulation, um, their breed. Uh, there's a lot of uh, things that go into it. I would say that sometimes that it can be very helpful for some specific dogs. Uh, and I would also not really worry about it until, uh, the dog is reaching a point where they can settle, um, and be on their blanket even, or their place or their bed or wherever they are supposed to be relaxing, um, when they can do it for, uh, 15 to 20 minutes with you reinforcing mm-hmm. as much as you need to. That's the point at which I would start to think about uh, stepping back on those reinforcers um, mm-hmm. because there's something that's now keeping the dog awake rather than settling in. Um, but I would say in, generally, in general, if you can pass that 15, 20 minute mark, that would be the time to start thinking about it, up until then, I would keep uh, reinforcing for as much as you feel you need to, uh, to keep uh, to keep the dog laying there and laying still, uh, yeah, even, even if sense. it's kind of a fake it till you make it situation. Um, at that point, it's long enough for them to have actually uh, down-regulated naturally a little bit for themselves. So... Uh, Yeah, it depends upon the dog, Uh, but I'd say it's something that can be helpful, especially for uh, really high-drive puppies who are really just looking for any excuse to just give you that work stare, Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm ready to go. What do you need? What do you need? What are we doing? Uh,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think it can be helpful for uh, puppies uh, that lean towards that type of personality. Yeah. It's probably, uh, I'd say for puppies who already uh, have a hard time with laying still at all, uh, I think it would be better to just continue reinforcing because they're not, Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't expect they're at a point where they can just lay for 15 or 20 minutes anyway.
0: I love the point you made of kind of noticing at the point where your treats may be the thing that are keeping the dog awake. Um, and kind of being able to, to gauge that. I think that um, while it's a little bit ambiguous, you know, we can't tell you that, okay, with your four-month-old puppy, it'll be five minutes. And with your six-month-old puppy, it'll be 12 minutes and 33 seconds. You know, we can't tell you that. But if you start noticing that, you know, your puppy is actually almost a like falling asleep and every time you reward them they kind of pop back up they're like oh all oh, right okay yeah, yeah we're training Th- then it might be a good time to start weaning off those treats and i know with my um i did a ton of work with my older border collie barley um because i used to work as a freelance writer and i traveled the world with him so we did a lot of working at outdoor cafes um and it took me quite a while to realize that at some point oh i need to stop giving him treats when we're at cafes because then he'll just turn a four-hour work session at a cafe into this like intense downstay because he's working for the food versus um if i give him a couple treats to help get him settled and then put the treats away then he would just fall asleep under um under the desk uh or table or whatever it was um so kind of on the note of these puppies that struggle a little bit i want to talk about some things that i think some people might think of as crutches as you're teaching self-regulation but i think are um, all important tools and steps towards um the process so let's talk a little bit um first of all making sure that your puppy is in like the right mental physical state for working on self-regulation so you know if i if my puppy um woke up five minutes ago you know it's 7 a.m and i have a 7 30 a.m uh call today i'm not likely to be super successful at getting my puppy to settle again because of how their natural like energy states are going so can you talk to me a little bit about keeping that in mind how to work your schedule and your training up Um, obviously we do want to get to the point where your dog can just settle whenever um but especially with an, a young puppy who is just learning the skill that's not necessarily um, a realistic goal and it's just going to be very frustrating for both of you yeah i
1: think to you want to go into any such se- uh any training session in which you're directly working with more of that self-regulating as a concept rather than any specific type of cue for the puppy um When you're in a good emotional spot, because uh, when you're already frustrated with the puppy and you're asking them to self-regulate for you, that's kind of an unfair setup for everyone. So Mm -hmm. try to make sure it's a moment where you have more spoons available Mm -hmm. um, and where you have uh, at least an hour uh, to uh, handle any of the... Uh, any of the directions in which their emotional state might go before Mm -hmm. they figure out how to settle um, or even how to downregulate at all in that session. Mm -hmm. So set yourself up so you're in a good emotional spot. Um, You've got energy for that day. Um, Your puppy is in as good an emotional place as uh, you can get them, but for puppies, especially young ones, there's so many neurochemical changes happening all the time. That part is uh, never, never going to be exactly stable and where you want it. Um, but one of the uh, one of the things that I try to emphasize in this self regulation is that it's worked through all emotional states in the Mm -hmm. sense of, uh, teaching puppies to regulate when they're calm, teaching puppies to regulate when they're really, really hyper and wild, um, can all be done, but you're adjusting your expectations Mm. to wherever your puppy is at in that moment. So. Uh, if you catch your puppy and they've just woken up from a like three hour nap, they're like up and raring to go. um, I wouldn't recommend immediately trying to have them uh, learn to downregulate or uh, any of that type of exercise without blowing off a little bit of that steam that they Mm -hmm. have. That's going to be for a lot of puppies, uh, preventative to being able to learn or do it at all for a while.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. It seems like there's it's tr- it's tricky to find that sweet spot between meeting your puppy's needs and making sure they're appropriately exercised but also not going so far that they're overtired and cranky um which is i think where the vast majority of the really bad biting nipping comes from um with puppies yeah not all of it but i think a ton of it is actually coming from puppies that really need a a nap and that they get that kind of wild-eyed chompy look going (laughs) um And it's hard to recognize. I know, like, so this is the first time, I think, since I've had Niffler, I've had him for just over a month now, that I've had a 9 a.m. appointment. as uh, curtis and i are recording so what i actually did was i woke up at seven o'clock for the first time since i lost my job in november so that i could take the dogs out for a good little walk i let um niffler and barley had a free play for about a half hour while i prepared for the call and then by the time i put niffler away in his pen he was actually kind of ready for a nap so it wasn't really a A concerted self-regulation training session but i was setting up um his energy levels uh for success you know i made sure that he didn't nap between 7 and 9 a.m so that by the time curtis and i were recording i pretty much knew he was going to conk out um when when we turned on uh the recorder and so far i've been right um
1: yeah and uh timing is a huge piece of it mm -hmm. i think in general uh i'm trying to avoid blanket statements uh, because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> puppies can be so variable even at like three and a half four months um but i would say uh if you're looking for uh working on self-regulation with your puppy uh try to if they're coming into that session full of, uh, fire and energy, uh, do 10, 15 minutes of really, really exciting things. Uh, even if it's just like playing or kind of like freely structured, uh, high energy engagement, mm-hmm. um, just to, uh, just to trim away that part of the energy that they're not really going to be able to control themselves. Um, and then work self-regulating into the next 10, 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. um, because the emotional and mental uh, energy expenditure of uh, doing any of that self-regulating is going to be uh, just as exhausting, if not more than uh, any of the physical exercise. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, having... Uh, if you're going into it with a puppy that's full of fire, uh, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of like free play running around and then shift gears. If you're coming into it when the puppy's already been up for 45 minutes, then you're looking for uh, kind of switch it like going right into here the 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 self regulating that we're going to do right now is just do some stays for me because that's mm-hmm. I would kind of expect that's about all that they're going to handle before you're going to start running into that uh more manic puppy land shark temper tantrum area yeah
0: tired puppy <laughs> yeah 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 that makes sense so one of the other things i kind of wanted to um i've got two more things i want to bring up and then we'll we'll see if we're we're getting close to winding down is um kind of the use of confinement or reducing your puppy's choice in the environment as a way to help promote some of that self-regulation so again you know, ideally your puppy doesn't have to go into the crate in order to learn to fall asleep. I know I've, I've worked with working dogs primarily, but dogs who pretty much could only sleep if you actually fully closed them in a crate. And while that's a workable situation, it can certainly be frustrating at times um, because you just want the dog to learn how to relax when the dog is free and loose. Um, but let's talk a little bit about potentially using confinement um, as a way to help teach your puppy when and how to relax and really more sleep versus um kind of regulating in interactions is that something that you use or recommend i know i've been using it pretty heavily with niffler but yeah uh, and uh again it's a
1: it's a fluid balance that will change um mm-hmm. dog to dog when vista was a puppy she was one of those puppies who she could not go to sleep anywhere outside of her crate mm-hmm. she had uh, uh we joked that vista was the poster child of fomo uh, yeah. where like uh, literally any person around like in the house moved at all and she'd be up like oh we're doing something
0: okay oh, my. oh boy <laughs> you, your
1: you sipped your coffee okay what are we doing and like she she really just could not handle um being out and like getting herself to fall asleep outside of the crate so we used a crate for vista for the first uh three months or so until she was Mm -hmm. around five uh five months and then we got her set up to uh so it takes a little bit of uh leap of faith um in transitioning from uh And I do recommend uh, using a crate, um, at least for the beginning stages of a puppy's life, Mm -hmm. because they've only been alive for a few months. Their brains are rewiring themselves every day. You're doing different things every day. Um, Even when you're keeping your schedule really, really consistent, you're still having good moments and bad moments. Um, They're already sponges for information, um and Mm -hmm. puppies are often so sociable and so engaging it can also be hard for people uh to say like oh they settled okay like leave them alone in that corner Um, it can be such a natural response to see uh, your puppy finally going to sleep and wanting to, like, come over and coo and pet him, and pet them and mm-hmm. love on them for doing exactly the thing you wanted, but then it's so exciting they wake themselves back up. So, I think the crate yeah. is a useful separation of just really giving the puppy a space to, uh, to really just uh, be to him or herself, um, and a lot of puppies need that. Mm-hmm. And I think it... Uh, it starts to become more realistic for a lot of puppies, especially uh, more of the like higher drive working dog uh, type puppies to be able to handle putting themselves to sleep anywhere but their crate in uh, around the five, six-month mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those scenarios you it's a little bit get set up as much as you possibly can and then it's a little bit of a dice roll so there's mm-hmm. like you're, you we can uh have it more likely to go better uh when you're set up really well but there's still an element of just uh, kind of like cross your fingers and uh stop moving i think um to help especially mm-hmm. the the higher drive working dogs get to sleep and uh, for for dogs that are having trouble uh, regulating or just like going to sleep um, at all outside of their crate, I would begin that transition by having a really good, exciting adventure play session, training session, mm-hmm. something that's just really true and good and exhausting um and if they need if they're at a point where they need the full separation of going all the way into their crate and some dogs even need a blanket or like to be totally enclosed before they can do that um start with inviting them to go in and leaving the door open so Mm -hmm. letting it be uh an option that they can still go in their crate if they want to try and settle or go to sleep outside of it, they can do that. and But also setting up so that there's a fairly clear divide between whatever exciting activity was happening and, OK, now it's time for a nap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it could be if you're playing with a toy uh, like that toy gets exchanged for a couple uh, treats, maybe lower value, so the treats themselves mm-hmm. aren't exciting again, um, gets changed, exchanged for a couple treats and then goes away. And then you're uh, calmly sitting and just... Uh, even there's, a, there's even a sense in which you can be on your phone or be on your computer, mm-hmm. but not be um where you're kind of acting uh disengaged for the sake of the puppy um some dogs uh some dogs can also benefit from like really exciting play session make sure there's a distinctive end and then you step out of the house for uh even just a few moments Um, Mm -hmm. some puppies can benefit from that just because you being there entire lives is, makes you by default, just so exciting. Um, and this was something that we ran into with Vista that just Mm -hmm. being around us was just immensely exciting. Um, and, uh, another part of it is a sense of, uh, (laughs) patiently impatiently waiting Mm -hmm. where as your puppy is getting near the stages where they can settle and go to sleep themselves outside of a crate or in kind of a next area of next area of freedom um maybe like enclosed somewhere but not all the way into their crate Mm -hmm. um kind of uh, waiting and outlasting some of the last throws of, like, no, really, I'm, I'm so awake. I'm ready to tug. I'm definitely not falling asleep. And, uh, like, if you've just been playing or, like, training for an hour and a half, that's clearly not true.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so there's a certain sense in which also puppies can be helped by uh, committing to uh, committing to out waiting for them to mm-hmm. tire out and fall asleep.
0: Yeah, um, I love that that point, and and you know, and I think like one of the things that we've both been saying repeatedly, but you know, is making sure that the puppy's needs are met, and that we're syncing up with their natural energy cycles. Um, but still, you know, there you can expect some fussing. When I first brought Niffler home, um, he he did not like. Um, being in his crate, he did not like having to go to sleep. He, um, he, uh, he was pretty vocal about it. And um, yeah, we had to do some waiting it out. Um, you know, when I set up, his crate is inside of a pen Um, So he had the option to come out and drink water or play with himself a little bit if he wanted Um, And if he really wants to you know take a toy and run around by himself with it until he falls asleep I'm okay with him kind of doing that as a way to get out those last chompy bits of energy Um, But then i've also done things like putting my older dog away in a crate and leaving the puppy loose Because um, they have a hard time down regulating around each other still Mm -hmm. um my older dog will often play until he's annoyed and then eventually will bite the puppy in the head um <laughs> you know gently you know it's, it's 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 appropriate i'm fine with it but it's not really the best pattern for them to get into so uh, you know there will be times where and i try to switch off which which dog gets put away a lot of times it is niffler getting put into his pen giving him a chew letting him fall asleep but sometimes because i do want niffler to eventually learn to fall asleep outside of his crate and pen i actually put barley away Mm -hmm. um i've also used tethers a couple times as ways you know intermediate ways to help reduce the puppy's ability to make trouble um but still generalize that settle sleeping behavior to new places and then the last thing that i wanted to bring up as we're kind of winding down here are um you know the the role of chews and pathifiers stuffed kongs in helping a puppy um again particularly when we're talking about the stage where the puppy is potentially overly tired or is winding towards a nap but the puppy uh you know and we're anthropomorphizing here but the puppy doesn't want to admit it or refuses to acknowledge it um i know i find those incredibly helpful and especially because they reduce the human interaction um so you know things like a bully stick um a trachea or you know a frozen stuffed kong or for a lot of puppies actually i've found with niffler if i freeze kongs they're too hard for him and he gets frustrated with them um so i actually don't freeze them for him yet um but yeah, so do you have any thoughts about how how to best use those and when they might be helpful versus maybe there there might be times where they're not helpful for teaching that self regulation skill?
1: Yeah, I uh, I think bones uh, and or like chews um, uh, things that I classify as high value independent games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think are immensely helpful in getting dogs to uh settle to come down as a in between state to being up and running around or active and to actually going to sleep. I think a lot of puppies need that. Uh and I the only the times that I would say it's actually less helpful uh is depending upon the specific puppy and how uh how intently they chew. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. It was actually something that we had to uh, set up a system where Vista would get one for a while. And then we just kind of like gently slip it away from her because uh, Vista could amp herself back up, even just chewing a bone um, or even just chewing a bully stick or like anything that we had given her, she would get into it enough that she would then work herself back up. Uh, so having, having all of those, uh, the Kongs, the Tracheas, uh, all of those, uh, two assistance items for puppies, I think is immensely helpful and having them, um, having them be kind of more independent games, I think is a big part of keeping them uh, helpful and keeping them functioning the way that you want to in a sense of uh, like they get to have this thing and when they have this thing you're not really interacting um, so it's something that they can learn to do uh, more on their own than as any kind of interaction uh, interaction with you mm-hmm and but some dogs, uh, I mean, for for all of the things that I'm saying, I there's right. always <laughs> no exception dogs. Uh, Doga, yeah. on the other hand, uh, he like learning to settle. If like he really wants you to participate in ha- in him chewing. Even if he just like brings it over to you and kind of like leans into you and chews his thing, he really wants you to be participating. So for Dukin, oh, it was more of a matter of just, if you sit there for 10 minutes, then he'll chew his thing and then pass out. Um, for Vista, independent of whether we were interacting or not, she could chew and chew and chew and chew and chew, and, chew and, chew and, chew, and then... Uh, wake herself back up in just getting more uh, intent on chewing. Mm -hmm. So uh, it varies for every dog. I would uh, generally speaking, highly recommend uh, the use of those items as a, as a general calming aid. Um, And what, Exactly what is going to be most helpful depends kind of on the puppy in question, Mm -hmm. but I think especially if they're set up to where uh, they essentially signify whether they're in the crate, whether they happen uh, in the crate, like they only happen in the crate, like Kongs only happen when they're in the crate or when they happen uh, out of the crate in the living room or tethered wherever um that as a general that as a general device uh the goal is that they signal like okay you're calming yourself down now yeah so i would then not uh give a kong or a trachea or any of those things when the puppy is first waking up um Mm -hmm. as (laughs) as a method of like wait wait don't be awake yet you chew this thing and uh, go back to sleep. It's not. Uh, I don't think it's really going
0: to work in that scenario. No, you're fighting an uphill battle there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, do you have anything you want to add about se- self regulation or settling or anything um, that we didn't get to talk about yet, both before we wind out?
1: uh i could honestly <laughs> go on about this for ages i think the most important thing is just adjust your expectations and meet your puppy where they're at um as yeah. you've said several times it's uh it's not so much a specific cue like a sit or a down so much as can you regulate it around new people can you regulate when we're doing something exciting can you regulate when we're hanging out can you it's a it's an all-encompassing a more emotional state than anything else. So uh, just aim for aim for success, be forgiving with yourself uh, and your puppy. If you don't feel like it was an A plus for any given moment and adjust your expectations to where they're coming to you in that, in that moment.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I know uh, like, yeah, with self-regulation skills in particular I've found for a lot of younger puppies, just like, just keep it short. You know, I've been doing, I think my longer ish training sessions with Niffler run like maybe seven minutes. Um, and I only know that because I, I film a lot of them, but you know, if you feel like you're only able to get one or two good minutes of work out of your puppy, that's okay. You know, we can build up from there. Um, And, you know, you can build in a walk and then play and then a little bit of training and then a bit more walking and then a bit of training and, you know, layer a little bit of training into your activities with your puppy as much as possible is gonna be a great way to help um, get this going and work with your puppy's uber shortest attention span. Um,
1: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So,
0: cool. Well, um, so Curtis, where can people find you online? Um, We actually don't have any patron questions today.
1: Uh, So you can find me on Instagram at PetParentEducation underscore CPDTKA, on Facebook as Pet Parent Allies, or at PetParentAllies.com.
0: Excellent and we will link to all of those in the show notes. Over the next couple episodes, we're going to th- cover things like crate training with Sarah Strumming, chewing and nipping with Ioka Bubar and potty training with Suzanne Shelton. Um, we're really, really excited about all of that. and if you guys need extra help, um, you can check out the Puppy raising Blueprint course, which you can find at journeydogtraining.com/ blueprint. In the course, I guide you through everything from common problem behaviors that we cover in this podcast, but a little bit more in depth and with video support all the way up to things like the humane hierarchy of dog training it's always available on a self study basis at journeydogtraining.com blueprint um thank you guys so much for listening so make sure you guys subscribe review consider su- supporting the podcast um and getting more information and assistance by joining our patreon at patreon.com slash pandemic puppy you can always sign up for the free pandemic puppy raising support group over on facebook and um Uh, get a lot of amazing help there as well so we've got tons of free help for you guys as well as some paid courses if you want to support us further um
1: we look forward to talking to you again next week thank you very much for having me it was great to be
0: here